0: For the last several weeks, we have been going through the series, Back to Basics. We've been examining the statements that we declare in what we as a church believes in. What do we believe? What do we believe, not just as a church, but believers as a whole? What are the basics of our faith? This week, we continue in that study. And before we get into it, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the word this morning. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit as we study the baptism, the indwelling, the gifts. Lord, I pray that you would move upon our hearts, that you would cause a hunger to come within us, a thirst to come within us, that only you can satisfy. Lord, I pray that we are drawn closer to you, that we are um, enabled by your Spirit to live righteously. Lord, we thank You and praise You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to go on the FCA website, I didn't pull it up this time, uh, but it says this. We believe, and this is the next point down, so we've gone so far over a lot of the we believes, and now we're at the next point, which says, we believe in the present. Say present. We believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, which includes... The baptism in the Holy Spirit as an experience distinct from regeneration. His indwelling by which the Christian is enabled to live a godly life. His supernatural gifting and empowering of the church for its work, its life, and its worship. I want you to say this with me. Say baptism. Say indwelling. Say gifts. We're going to talk today about baptism, indwelling, and gifts. Now, a few months ago, we did a teaching on the Holy Spirit, and specifically, if you'll remember, in regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you'll remember, we had the leadership of the church come stand up here, and people got in line, and we went through the line, and then prayed for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you remember that, uh, let's make sure that we understand this part clearly. We believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit in the present now active today ministry of the holy spirit not just in the church but in our lives amen how many know we want the holy spirit to be active in our lives we want to be led by the holy spirit in all that we do amen we believe that the gifts of the spirit are still operational today and that you should use whatever gift or gifts the lord has given you amen we should use them This belief puts us in the category of what's called continuationist or non-cessationist. Okay, so we believe that that the gifts are for today. We believe that the Holy Spirit is present today. He is active today, that He is in our church and in our lives. Now you say, well, Pastor David, what what scriptures do you have to base this off of? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 17 and 18. It says, and in the last days, say last days. It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. In the last days it shall be. Now, we talk about when the last days are. I believe that we are living in the last days. I believe we've been living in the last days since Christ ascended. That until He returns, someday we will not need the gifts, right? We, t- we we look at First Corinthians, we'll get there in a little bit. Someday we won't need those gifts. Someday we'll, tongues will pass away. But for now, the gifts are active. I pray that they're being used in your personal life. I pray they're being used in the church. And you say, well, what? You know we could talk about the different gifts and which ones are available, but let's just talk about what it says here. It says that I, God, I will. God says I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That word prophesy means to encourage in the spirit or to encourage in the Lord. That your sons and daughters. Now I, I believe I can speak to my son and daughter that they, in their capacity would prophesy that your young men, right? Young men, so who, who? where's the young men here? Tim, put your hand down. That your young men would see visions that if, if Caden comes to me and says, Pastor David, man, something happened. I got to tell you, it was pretty incredible. Joshua comes and says, hey, Dad. Talks to his dad, says, Dad, something happened. I had a vision. We don't disregard that. We hear it out. We, we Again, anything that's spoken to you by the Holy Spirit needs to line up with Scripture. Amen? If it doesn't line up with Scripture, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Everybody understand that? If it doesn't line up with Scripture, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. But it says, Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Steve Mann had a dream just recently, right? That, he was, that basically he needed something for his business. And it's something they were in need of. Didn't know what was going to happen or how it was going to come about. But Steve had a dream about it. Steve, would you mind coming up here a bit? I didn't actually plan for this. But now that we're talking about dreams and visions, man, this is kind of a good time, to, good place to put it in here. Steve, share about what the Lord did
1: for you. I just want to thank the Lord. Is good, it's mercy and dearth forever. Um, this dream came at, at while well, God was healing me. That you all have been praying for this hip. I can't even get surgery, I wanted to get surgery. I've been in agony with this thing for two and a half months, but my blood sugar is too high. Well, then they put me on prednisone, and that raised it up more, but it did reduce the swelling. So, I'm, I'm Finally, I can sleep all night, and I don't agonize in pain. It's it's awesome. So a week ago, the boys were going go to go to Sioux Falls. We've been looking for equipment because uh, we're in business, and uh, at the end of tax year, you either pay the IRS or you buy something. And uh, <laughs> I know you women don't understand that, <laughs> most of them yeah yeah yeah, buy, yeah, buy something. <laughs> well, anyway, so one of three things, uh, our dump truck's 40 years old, 40some, back hose 30, uh, excavators getting up there, and we need a dump truck worse than anything else. So Saturday morning i'm I'm dreaming and I'm driving this dump truck, and I'm thinking, wow, I love this thing. This thing's just like new. I'm looking at the dash. I'm looking out at the hood, and I'm driving it for quite a while. And I think this thing's awesome. And uh, before the day was over, before it got dark, I was driving that dump truck home from St. Peter. And it was—I remember—it was, I remember it was uh, a guy that wasn't in business. He was off to the side of the main road. When I got up there, it was on the north side of St. Peter. He was off the side of the main road, 169. And uh, it's, it's 25 years old, and it's just like new. It's Never seen nothing like it. <laughs> so God gives you dreams.
0: <laughs> God gave him a dream. God fulfilled that dream. In fact, it was so specific, it happened from St. Peter. I just made that up. That was pretty dumb. Uh, God will give young men visions, old men dreams. I'm not saying Steve's an old man, but the Bible's pretty clear, Steve. <laughs> Verse 18 says this. And keep in mind that there's uh, the servants back in those days. It says, even on my male servants and female servants. Let's say it this way it will happen on both the men and the women. Amen that both men and women, young ladies, young men, will prophesy, and young or older ladies and older men will have visions. Amen? So I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, I want to say this. The truth is that there are people who love the Lord, and let's not make any mistake. They do love the Lord. There are people who love the Lord, but deny that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. They really I mean, they love the Lord, they do, but they deny miracles, healings, gifts. They say all of that was only for the beginning foundations of the church. Now, these Christians would be called cessationists. Cessationist means that it's stopped. It's worth noting that even within cessationist teachers, there are some who are more consistent than others. So even those who would be famous cessationist teachers would acknowledge that God does at times still heal, and you go well. Wait a minute. If you're a cessationist, how does that line up? And they'll say, Well, yeah, I'm a cessationist, but dot dot dot. Right. Probably the most famous cessationist pastor today is a pastor by the name of John MacArthur. Loves the Lord, has a has a has a large church, and I can't remember exactly where it is. But when we look at these pastors, we look at these beliefs that. Miracles, healings, the Holy Spirit is not available for today. The biblical justification for this belief, I find to be out of context. And to be honest, I find that those who are, who are cessationist, honestly, they come off as unusually angry or somewhat sad in their faith. And to me, it's no wonder why. We want to make sure and we want the Holy Spirit active in our lives. Amen? We want the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. And so because of this, we see the Holy Spirit operate in three ways. Say three ways. First way is called His indwelling. Second way is called His baptism. The third way is called His gifting and empowerment. Now, when a non-believer hears the message of the gospel, right? How many used to be a non-believer? Raise your hand. That would be everybody. You were not born a believer. All right, so how many were a non-believer at one point? Oh, good. How many aren't going to raise your hand for anything? Praise the Lord. When a non-believer hears the Gospel, chooses to believe in Jesus, receives salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of that person at that instant. Okay, that, that is what we call the indwelling. It's the theological term, the indwelling, that He dwells within us. Amen? The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We used to, uh, as we were ki- as kids, and I've said this before, but how many know that if you're a kid and you give your life to the Lord, what do you say? Jesus lives in your heart, right? You say, yeah, i got Jesus living in my heart. The truth is, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Okay, let's talk. I mean, just truth, theological terms. Uh, the Holy Spirit is living in you. The Holy Spirit is He who dwells within you. Romans 8, verse 8 through 11 says this Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, that lives in you. Anyone, listen to this carefully who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, say dwells in me, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Amen? Say, dwells in. For us to be saved, there is a work of the Holy Spirit that needs to take place. Amen? For us to be saved, He draws us towards Christ and then He dwells within us. Now, this term, this experience of going from sinful to righteous is called regeneration. We are made righteous not because of what we did, but because of everything He is. Not because of our sacrifice, but because of His sacrifice. Amen? One person said, and I've said this before, they say, well, it's not a works-based faith your faith isn't based on works. I would say, yes, it is. Your faith absolutely is based on works. It's just none of your works. It's all of His works. It's all of His sacrifice. When we think about that, when we think that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we think about the sacrifice, that he made for us. I want to say this clearly so there's no confusion. You cannot live a truly godly life apart from salvation found in Jesus Christ of the Bible. You cannot. And this, listen, the culture is so confused today. The culture is extremely confused. And so if you're confused, you need to hear this. And I, I shared uh, at the beginning of this study in the Back to Basics. I shared uh, some poll numbers that had come out just recently, and they're both astounding and tragic. 70%. 70%. Not 7, not 17. 70% of those who identified as born-again Christians disagreed with the biblical truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 70%. When asked if Muhammad... Buddha and Jesus all represented valid ways to God. Only 20% said they strongly disagreed. We are a church in crisis. We are believers in crisis. Let me, let me tell you something. Believers who don't know what they believe aren't believers. I want to make it crystal, crystal clear there is no righteousness there is no holiness there is no godliness and there is no salvation apart from jesus christ as he is revealed in the bible amen there is no salvation apart from jesus christ there is no righteousness apart from jesus christ let's say pastor david i know some really good people that you know they worship jesus but it's not really the same jesus of the bible yeah i'm sorry they're deceived they're lost they do not know the Lord. Pastor David, do you understand? I know some super nice Buddhists. Some, I, I met some uh, my Islam neighbors that are fantastic. Just giving. They believe in Jesus. They believe He's a prophet. They are lost. They are deceived. They are blinded by the enemy. Our prayers that the Holy Spirit would open their eyes. My prayer is that you would be the mouthpiece for the Holy Spirit to speak into their lives. We have been hearing of tremendous testimonies coming out of the Middle East of people raised Muslim and supernaturally are coming to faith in Jesus. God is revealing Himself more and more and more to those who are blind. He is opening their eyes. He is taking the scales off of them. And I pray that we can be used in that way. But there is no holiness. There is no righteousness. There is no godliness. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. If you don't know that, as a believer, as someone who calls himself a Christian, If you can't know that, it's time to go back to school. It's time to come back to the foundations of your faith. It's time to come back and examine what do I actually believe? Because honestly, as a pastor, as a Christian, I am very, very sick of people misrepresenting what Christianity is. I am horrified to see people call themselves Christians. Represent Christianity and in truth they're doing anything but say indwelling. I don't want to get too heavy too heavy this morning. How many had a great Thanksgiving? Good. how many hey last week the message was was pretty pretty light pretty pretty good, right Gary? Now it's time for the beating. I'm just kidding. listen. How many know the importance of the indwelling in our life? Right? Second, what happens? When we use the term baptism in the Holy Spirit, we can see two definitions of it. One is given by Paul. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that we're all baptized into one body. Okay? That is, at the moment of salvation, that, spirit, that, that work of the Spirit, Right? There is a work of the Holy Spirit or the indwelling that brings the regeneration of the Spirit, right? So Jew or Greek, slave or free, you were once dead in your sins, but now you're alive in Christ. Amen? Amen? The other definition of baptism in the Spirit is given by Luke, who is the author of Acts. This definition means that we are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I want you to say filled, say overflowing. When you're filled to overflowing. I want to make sure this is clear. This is a secondary experience to salvation and should be, should not just be a part of the life of, of a believer. It should be a continual part of the life of a believer. Amen? It shouldn't be, well, I got saved and I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1993. When was the last time you were filled with the Spirit? Don't know. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to not just fill us one time, but continually. Amen? Acts 1, 4 through 4-8 says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he, Jesus, gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5 says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7 says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power, say power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Say power this morning. To be baptized with Holy Spirit power. Now, that word power is a Greek word. It's the word dunamis. Say dunamis. Do you know what, the, the, it means dynamic, it means explosive. It's where we get the word dynamite from. How many have ever seen dynamite go off? How many have ever watched Little House on the Prairie? Or what's the other, what's Bonanza? Is Bonanza one of them? Where they throw a stick of dynamite at something, blows up, right? You've seen the explosive power of dynamite. Those who have been water baptized, according to the Bible, Know that when it happened, it wasn't just a sprinkle, right? I hope it wasn't just a sprinkle. If you were baptized according to Scripture, you didn't feel just a few drops of water on your head. You were completely, entirely immersed in the water. It covered you. It surrounded you. You didn't feel just a little bit and go, listen, it washed over you, right? To be baptized in the Holy Spirit means that you have been filled entirely and totally with the presence of god it wraps itself around you it covers you you are filled to overflowing and when this happens they would receive power they would receive dunamis dynamic dynamite power it's an explosive holy spirit experience it's not just a tickle it's not a single tear coming down your cheek it's not it is a mighty powerful explosive move of god in your life if you've never experienced it. Pray for it. If you man, there are so many people who will go through their Christian life. Yeah, I love the Lord. I love Jesus. Thank God. I know the Bible. Hallelujah. And they love the Lord, but they never experienced the baptism. They never experience this, not just a feeling, but an overflowing. Yes, the Holy Spirit is in their life. He's active in their lives. He talks, speaks to them, moves to them. But to be used in Holy Spirit dynamic power, where the anointing is flowing off of you to affect those around you for the glory of God. Let me tell you something. There is a difference between preaching and anointed preaching. There's a difference between playing the drums and playing the drums anointed, right, Tim? There's a difference between teaching at the school and teaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your profession is. I don't know. I can't name everybody's profession, but I'll tell you this Doug, there's a difference between farming and farming under the anointing. Amen. Lay those cows out in Jesus name. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm curious. <Hold> <laughs> oh man. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning that's amazing if you're a believer in Jesus Christ that's amazing we celebrate with you amen you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you but the next step the next step is not something you want to miss out on the next step is to be filled to overflowing brings a new dimension to your faith brings a new dimension to your experience with Jesus to be filled to overflowing Acts 2 one through four says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were they had the indwelling of the Spirit, they were baptized with the Spirit, and now comes the gifts of the spirit say gifts how many like gifts how many don't like gifts anybody how many like gifts raise your hand how many are awake this morning raise your hand 1st Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8 through 10 says this To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Verse 10. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. In case you're taking notes, that was 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 through 10. It's important to mention that this list in 1 Corinthians is not exhaustive by any means. Paul mentions the gifts here that were familiar to the Corinthian church, but lists other gifts in Romans, as well as the fruit of the Spirit. We see, of course, what's mentioned in Galatians. And so you think about, well, they have these different gifts mentioned here and different gifts mentioned here. And so you can see how it can be a little confusing. How, well, what are the gifts? What what gifts do I have? What gifts are active in my life, right? I want to give you a few important notes about the gifts. Just a few things about the gifts that are important for Christians to understand. These are not natural, God-given talents or abilities. How many know some people naturally have God-given gifts? right? There are some people that have gifts that I'll never have. I think about, uh, you know, I watch, I really like when it comes on, I really enjoy watching the Olympics. I enjoy watching, uh, I enjoyed really watching swimming. And this last Olympics, I really missed seeing Michael Phelps. Um, Michael Phelps, you know, most famous swimmer in the, in the, in the world, really. Um, Don't know what his life is like personally, don't know if he has a relationship with the Lord, but we can say undoubtedly that he has amazing, natural talent. Undoubtedly, has amazing, natural talent. Amen? Let's talk about Tom Brady for a little bit. I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about Tom Brady. There are some people that have natural giftings. How many know there are some people that don't have many natural giftings? Right? They're called the Chicago Bears kidding just kidding <laughs> the whole back row was like what? oh man how many know there's some some people some some teachers that have natural gifting i mean they're very eloquent speak very well very great orators right great speakers great talented doctors lawyers natural gifting But our natural gifting should never be confused with spiritual gifts. The natural gifting that we have that that God has blessed us with, and for some he's blessed beyond, should never be confused with spiritual gifts. So just like we talked about a little bit ago, there's a difference between people preaching and preaching under the anointing or playing music and playing music under the anointing. A large problem facing the church today is that people have confused natural talent with anointing. So you'll have speakers who are engaging, but they lack Holy Spirit power. You'll have singers who are incredibly gifted, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. When you have gifting, apart from anointing, it has no eternal value. Sounds good. Sounds good, but it's temporary. However, when there's the anointing behind it, when the Holy Spirit uses it to reach into your soul and cause you to draw closer to the Lord, now it has eternal value. Number two, the gifts are irrevocable. What does that mean? It means God has given them to you and they will not be taken away. Romans 11 verse 29 says this, for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable makes it clear right there you say well pastor David what if I do this what if I mess up what if I get in trouble what if I let me let me tell you the truth there's consequences but the gifting's still there it's an odd thing when ministers fall I want to talk to you about something I mean this is it's heavy but it's also just kind of the way it is we've heard of scandals Pastors and preachers who have fallen. And we've seen how until they were caught, until it was discovered, they had been used in crazy, tremendous ways. For teaching, for healing, for souls coming to the kingdom, people being delivered and set free. And you go, how in the world are they able to do that but still be living in sin? I mean, know? there are many who will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name and this in your name and this in your name. And the Lord says, depart from me. I never knew you. What that means is they learn to operate in the gifts. And then when the Holy Spirit spoke to them, and said, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't go that place. You shouldn't be with that person. They just ignored him. So they were operating in the gifts. They were saved. They were filled with the Spirit. They were moving in Holy Spirit power and anointing and glory. But then something happened. They got caught up. I don't know at what point. I don't know if they, I can't say they lost their salvation. I can't say things like that. I believe that's up to the Lord. But I will say that there is a point where you continually deny the Holy Spirit in your life. And at what point, I'm not sure. And theologically, it could be argued until Christ returns. But if you continually ignore the Holy Spirit's leading in your life, when you continually ignore His call for repentance, when you continually ignore the Holy Spirit saying, you need to do this and do this and not do this and not do that, when you continually ignore Him, eventually He stops speaking. Eventually, it's not that He's, really, it's not that He's not still drawing you, but you're just so cold-hearted now. You're just so closed off now. The gifts are irrevocable; God has given them to you. Will not be; t- they won't be taken away, according to Scripture. But how many know there's repercussions for actions? There's consequences for sin. Amen. Number three. Uh, number one was uh, there are these are not natural giftings; these are spiritual giftings. Number two is they're irre- irrevocable number three the gifts are here for a purpose a purpose anybody know what the purpose of the gifts are anybody thank you to edify what does that mean matt to bless to lift up to encourage amen that's what the gifts are for it says this in 1 corinthians 14 12 so it is with you since you are eager for the gifts of the spirit Try to excel in those that build up. Say build up. Build up the church. We want to build up the church for the edification of the church. The words edify and profit are used eight times in 1 Corinthians in relation to the gifts. To edify, to lift up, to build up. Here's a big one. This is a big part of the gifts. Probably the number one thing about the gifts. First, First Corinthians thirteen verse one through twelve or one through two. The gifts are to be used in love. Verse one says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. This is a famous verse called the Love Chapter. It's a famous verse that we like to to speak over marriages. To remind them of the love, not just that we should have for each other, but the love that we need to have for the Lord. If I speak with the tongues of men, people say, wow, he speaks in tongues, that's amazing. But if I have not love, I am nothing. I can lay hands on somebody and they can recover, and people around will say, that's amazing. But if I don't love them, I have nothing. The person who received the healing received the healing. By the grace of God, amen. But the person who administered the healing, if they have love, they have nothing. If they don't have love, they have nothing. It is to be used in love. Last thing about the gifts. I think that's the last thing. Yeah, mm, sure. We are to earnestly pray for them. You say, Pastor David, I don't have this gift. Pray for it. Pastor David, I really would love to do this, but I haven't done it yet. It hasn't manifested in my life. It hasn't been a part of my spiritual life. Pray for it. We believe in this church that you can, that you, that you can be filled The indwelling of the Spirit, and that you can be filled to overflowing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, and when that happens, the Holy Spirit will assign gifts to you. Now, they might be for for there are some groups within the Christian body, people that love the Lord, that will say if you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. And now the reason they get that is because they see in the description of the historic account of what happened when they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke with tongues. So we just read that a little bit ago, right? But what we would say is that is a description of what happened, not a prescription for what has to always happen. Okay, so what we would say is clearly there are some people throughout Christian history who have been filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, but never spoke in tongues. That they operated in gifts of healing, they operated in miracles, they operated in prophecy, but maybe they didn't operate in tongues. Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 29 through 30 it says this are all apostles question mark are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all have gifts of healing do all speak in tongues? do all interpret? Clearly the answer is no. Paul is saying do all we don't all do these things right And so we have to examine what because honestly I was raised in a church. I was raised under the belief that you weren't filled with the Spirit unless you spoke with tongues. I understand the culture behind it. I understand the belief behind it. But I would say it doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily line up with the fullness of Scripture. And Some people may disagree. Some people may, may say, well, you know, I actually believe that it does, things like that. We can have unity and still have disagreement. Amen? There's things that, there's things that we can look at and go, hey, there's there's uh, black and white issues, and then there's gray issues. There's closed-hand issues and open-hand issues. I like how, that, how one pastor says that. You know, when we think about Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose again, those are closed-hand issues, amen? We close our hand around those things. We say those are absolutes. And then there's a lot of other issues where we have an open hand to. Say, what about the beginning of the earth? What about dinosaurs? How many want to talk about dinosaurs right now? I don't. <laughs> How many want to talk about the like the end of times, exactly what's going to happen? I don't. I mean, we did for a long time, but I don't now. Why? Because these are open hand. We're not entirely sure. We see biblical principles. We see guidance. There are some things we close our hand around, right? Hey, there are some things we close our hand. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Amen? We close our hand around those things. Marriage is intended for a man and a woman. Amen? We close our hand around those things. Why? Because we see biblically that is a black and white issue. It cannot be turned into gray. The only way it can be turned into gray is by twisting and manipulating the gospel. And that is what Satan does. We are to pray for the gifts. You say, Pastor David, I want this gift. Pray for it. But we should not be envious of the gifts that other people have. How many know there's there's gifts that Mike Nichols has that Doreen may not? There's gifts that Steve has that Joan may not. There's gifts that Bobby has that my son Eli does not. First Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12 says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by the one Spirit, that is the indwelling, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Say many. That is, you are part of many. Right? Come on. Now if the foot should say, "Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body," it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. There are. Some, the Bible says it this way: There are some people that are hands, there's some people that are feet. Amen. It also says this: if, if the ear should say, "Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body," it would not be that reason, stop being a part of the body. So there's some people that are ears and some people that are eyes. I want to know, who is my hair? Somebody took it. Let's see. Bryce, you got some hair over there. That's good. If you're a hand and God is using you and gifting you in those things, and other people are feet, they're, they're going places. Right? They're doing incredible works in the mission field. And You say, man, I really wish I had that gifting. If God has put it in your heart, that's man, I love that. Just you think about all the different things that we do for the body of Christ. You think about the mouth. There's people that are mouthpieces. There's people that are our speakers and preachers. And then there's people who are helping in the kitchen. And it all it's not that one is more important than the other. It's we're all part of the body of Christ. It says, verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? If we were all just hands, if we were all just feet, we wouldn't even be in the building. We'd just be gone, right? If we were all just ears, that's not how it works. There shouldn't be division among those who have some giftings versus those who have others. Verse 25 in that chapter says this, that there should be no schism or division in the body. That the members should have the same care of one another. Say care. That we should have care for one another. Don't look down upon those with different, with different giftings. Some may have prophecy, but you, they have no idea what, what helps is some are really gifted with children but they couldn't sing worth a tune how I mean, it said they can't carry a tune in a bucket right steve you might speak with tongues but you lack wisdom this is another reason why i believe it's important as believers that we care for one another stay with me this morning God has called me to care for you, and you to care for me. Why is that, Matt? Because I have strengths, and I have weaknesses. And you have strengths, and you have weaknesses. And sometimes your strengths help my weakness, and my strength helps his. So we don't just lean... On Christ we do that together right we lean on Christ but we also lean on each other why because you have gifts that I don't have and I have gifts that you don't have and together we we are one body amen how many are glad to be part of the body of Christ this morning if you would pray with me Lord, this morning, I pray that we as a body of believers are continually led by your presence, by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for putting these people in my life. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of their lives. Lord, I pray that our lives bring balance as we lean on each other and as we collectively lean on, tr- on Jesus as we collectively yearn for Him. Lord, I pray that those who have the indwelling would experience Your baptism. I pray that Your gifts are used in our lives for and towards Your glory always. Lord, I pray over those who can hear my voice this morning. Lord, I pray that You would bless them I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest as we are used by your Holy Spirit in our lives and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.